Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Calafia mm, Farms. Fine, fine almond milk. They have a couple of rad things that just rolled off the product line. If you want something that's creamy with coffee and delicious, try out some of their nitro cold brew stuff. They have three different kinds. They have a New Orleans, they have a mocha, and the latte. Yes, sir. Three different flavors. Those things are so good. They're so creamy. And uh, you can also look on their blog. Chris and I have been putting together some things for the old uh, the recipes that you can use these drinks with. The Calafia stuff is really good. Central American coffees, Colombian coffee, go into those uh, products and they, they froth. They froth. They, they foam. They they're, cream. They're cream. Cream foam. Cream foam. Get a nice cream foam. Yeah, it's thinking different. Anyway, check it out. Yeah, and uh, thanks a lot, Calafia. You guys are the bomb, and I really love your products. Respect. So much respect. Okay. Ready? Cool. Yeah. Sweet. All right, we're gonna get this thing cracking. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. This is Chris Baca and Jared Truby, and we're on a call. With our good friend and ex-coworker, Jasper Wild. Hi, Jasper. Hi, how's it going? So fantastic. So Jasper works for Ritual Coffee Roasters, and she's the coffee educator at the Hayton Central Store over there in San Francisco, California. Woo! And she yeah. is also the board secretary for the BACC, which is the Bay Area Coffee Community which has been really active lately, doing all kinds of events and educational things throughout the, the Bay Area, which is awesome. So welcome, Jasper. It's been a long time coming. We've wanted to get you on for a while, so we're glad you're here. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So for everybody that doesn't know Jasper, I want to dive in and hear a little bit about your coffee story. So we worked together at Verve Coffee Roasters back in the day, but then where, where did you come from? How did you get like into this magical coffee world? It was a wonderful accident. So I got my start at Starbucks in 2006. And back then I was 16 and it was sort of one of the more respectable like high school jobs. That's what like moms would always say. Like you should get a job at Starbucks. Like that would be, that would be really good. Good job experience for you. So I did <laughs> and um, it was harder than I thought it would be. Um, at, at 16, like multitasking so much and just like being so on for so long. But I started to really love it. And I moved around several different states. So I had about nine or 10 stores in my five years. Wow. Uh, just like I like to transfer a lot and keep things fresh. And Starbucks gets uh, same thing over and over again. So I would just move stores or move states and so I I was in uh, Idaho and then Texas and then Oklahoma and then California and I finally did a couple more stores in California and then I was just like trying to find where I wanted to be like live as a person and be happy and just sort of settle and I kept going to Santa Cruz and I was like I think I just need to live here everyone's like a hippie everyone's so like nice and earth friendly and that's like what I was looking for. So I moved to Santa Cruz, transferred to Starbucks, actually downtown on Pacific Avenue, and then um found my home and I was like, Okay, now I can leave. Now I can leave this. <laughs> you were downtown with all the Harley Davidson bikers. Yeah. Yeah. There weren't too there weren't too many in two thousand and eleven, from what I remember. There was a few. Okay. It was a lot, a lot of different people. Yeah, I was going to say the stigma of that Starbucks is that's where the Hells Angels go hang out. But I, I don't obviously go there, so I don't know. 
didn't see too many, but I was only there for like four months. Gotcha. So then, then I um, quit there, and my ideal job was some sort of like overly romanticized, like grungy second wave shop. I didn't know it at the time. So I was like really, really trying to go to Pergolesi's. <laughs> right. I was going to say like the Perg. That house seems so magical when you're looking at it too, though. And like the grounds. Yeah. Well, we should I... talk about, talk about, talk about Pergolesi for people who are listening in and don't know. Okay. Break so it down. It's like this really old house transformed into a coffee shop and, um, Baristas don't give a shit, and there's, like, a bunch of smoking happening on the patio. Maybe there's some, like, food. Oh, there's alcohol. Yeah, beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of just, like, sitting and hanging, and it's kind of what I imagined, like, the beatniks doing back in the day, and, like, that I would be some sort of curator for, like, a cultural renaissance that would happen there. But when right. I my re resume, I was like, Hi, I'm so excited. Like, I really want to learn. Like, oh, I was a coffee master at Starbucks or like trainer, whatever certification they gave me. Like, oh, I know what I'm doing, kind of. And they were like, cool. <laughs> well, that's nice. You're all, I yeah. mean, calm down. <laughs> the passion no, is I'm not here. Way too cheery. Um, Why are you so happy? Just take it down a couple notches. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was like applying to every cafe in Santa Cruz. Like there's like Coffee Topia and then there's there's a bunch of stores. Oh that Mr. Bent no I don't know. Mr. Some, Toots? No, it's that like it's the place on C Cedar, I think. On like Cafe Bene. Yeah, that one. That one. Yeah. <laughs> Such a classic place. Looks cool. Like when you go in there, I actually I like that vibe. It, it's kind of a fun little second wavy vibe, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But then uh, one of the girls at Pergolesi was like, "Oh, I've heard, like I saw on Craigslist that Verve is hiring," and I was like, "What's Verve?" They're like, "Oh, it's this coffee shop in Capitola. You should you should check Craigslist." So I checked Craigslist. I was like, "Oh yeah, this this sounds great. Yeah, I want a job in coffee, and this will be perfect." And then I went to, it was like a group interview, um, right when the roastery opened. I don't even think it had opened yet. And there were like 60 or 70 people in that parking lot. I was like, oh, shit. That <laughs> okay. was insane. Right? Yeah. Well, I didn't even realize that it would, I'd never done a group interview and didn't realize how like the competition vibe sort of felt. Like, oh, I got to outshine you or out talk you or it was really weird, but I, um, didn't know anything about specialty coffee, so it was kind of an accident that I fell into it. A wonderful accident. That was Verve's first uh, group interview ever as well. So yeah. That was a crazy... Yeah. <laughs> we had never done that. It was nuts. And you got and hired. We, and I got hired. Because um, of your genuinity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> genuinity and enthusiasm, I'd oh, say. Oh, for too. sure. Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that they liked that I didn't know that they were specialty coffee, or I didn't know that that's what I wanted. It, I kind of got the idea that that Verve, like as a company, wanted to like take take like young, maybe naive uh, adult <laughs> and be like, oh, like we're just about to like drop some fucking knowledge on you kids, <laughs> and it 
you know, like just like created the whole culture that made everybody want to like do everything they could to see it succeed. So that was, that was really great. So that was the beginning of the specialty coffee journey for me. So I did some Verve. I did some, uh, what is that store? Cafe. It's also on Pacific Avenue. It's right by that movie theater. Del Marette. Del Marette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for like a few months after Verve. And then, um, and then I moved up to San Francisco. I started working for Reve Coffee Company. And at the time, they were doing four barrel. So I started like a little in-house training program. And we had three stores. And that was really fun because I got to start writing my own curriculum. And that was hard, but very rewarding. And then I moved to Front Coffee Roasters uh, for another few months. And it wasn't quite the vibe I wanted. Uh, I was lead barista, but they had, they were a little disorganized. They were a little, like, they, I didn't really like the customers, honestly. That was, like, the biggest part. And that has never happened to me. My God, I hate all of you. I don't want to make you anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that. That's pretty funny. It's, it's weird. I hadn't, I hadn't anticipated that. I think it was very different from working in the Castro. And that was like always sunny, always neighborhoody, not worky, not like just a lot of like families and men chilling out and having coffee. And then, uh, it was a little rough going to the Potrero Hill, which is like industrial and tech and it was tough. So after that, then I moved to Ritual, and I've been there for a year and a half. Awesome. And- How awesome is Eileen? Oh, my God. She's amazing. She's right? so cool and such a badass. I don't, I'm not usually intimidated by people, but, like, maybe 20% intimidated by her. Where I'm like, hey, what's up? And then I'm like, shit. Like, she's so, she's so cool. How can I be you? <laughs> she is so cool. <laughs> I was super intimidated by her when I worked for her in a good way, you know, like in an inspirational kind of dang, you're kind of like a boss. This is amazing. Such a boss. You've kind of done a lot of things over these last few years and you skimmed it so quickly. But I mean, you did something pretty big for Verve. You helped found that Pacific Avenue store, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was really, really great. I mean, that was like the second store, you know, of, uh, of this Verve thing that's become kind of big now. And, um, yeah, you were like a key person in that whole situation. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of, uh, like philosophical coffee, philosophical conversations that I had never gotten to have before. I really you know? always admired that about you. Cause you were, I mean, you were obviously passionate about this whole craft and I felt like you had this endless pursuit of education that I always thought was tight. There's so much to learn. That's true. (laughs) But not everybody takes it like that. Yeah. I think there's just always, there's so many different avenues of specialty coffee that if I get like, sometimes I will get overstimulated with like the sciencey chemically, uh, you know, equation extraction side of things. So, but then you can like switch right over and be like, well, what is this saying culturally? Or how are these spaces moving within the community? Or um, how do customers like feel when they walk away? Cause they don't, 
care about how fast the acids are extracting. <laughs> what are they feeling when they like go out and like have a part of my energy in their hands for the next few hours? Or maybe it's still sitting in their car. Like what kind of impact can I have on that level? And then I can get interested all over again. Is there a big difference for you um, in working in the the coffee scene? I know San Francisco is obviously a much bigger city than Santa Cruz, but being a barista where you're at now, you know, in the hate versus on Pacific Avenue in Santa Cruz or in Seabright in Santa Cruz. Yeah, it's really different. It's really different. There's a lot more... So there's the crew, the customers that come in who are like, oh, I have seen latte art on Instagram or like I've seen pictures of this place or this is where you go to be seen. And like it's it's like a it's like a experience for them that makes them feel cool and accepted and like part of this thing that is maybe bigger than them or, or better than them, not in a way to like sound bad for them they like look up to us like wow this is amazing and those are usually like the tourists or um people who don't live in santa cruz and then there's like the very wealthy maybe tech maybe not tech maybe just like families working people um and they just have like grown to expect really amazing perfect coffee quickly and like with a smile and that's there's not a lot of like exchange there it just you know they come in every day they get what they get and it's they they don't need any they don't want any education or any like explanation or often it takes like it takes months for me to crack some of these customers and the ones that like the ones where I'm like, oh, that entitled prick. I'm like, mm, I'm angry. Okay, so let me like change this interaction and try to try to make this person my friend <laughs> because I don't want to feel angry every day when they come in. And that like that's been a lot of work for me. There seems to be less like, um, what's the word? Like where you at Pack Ave in downtown Santa Cruz a lot of people didn't know about specialty coffee and there we like were met with sometimes hostility, sometimes like anger or misunderstanding because they didn't know like what we were or they thought that we were a corporation or not from Santa Cruz and that we were like trying to change the city. But um, instead San Francisco, like that style coffee is the city. So in that way we're accepted as just like a fabric part of the community and it's just like overall a higher valued I feel more valued and I feel like when people you know hear me say like, oh yeah I work in the coffee industry they're not like what <laughs> <laughs> like you're just some weird kid who actually doesn't have a job yeah yeah or that like oh that's a thing they're like oh cool right they, you know I know what I do every day but they that's like a thing that makes sense to people in the same way that like, Oh yeah, I'm a bartender or I'm a cook, you know, that that's a thing that makes sense to people and doesn't, doesn't have like more questions attached. Yeah. That's a good feeling. It's not that you need to search for validation from anybody else, but it, one of the things that was really, and it still happens to me <laughs> as I keep getting older and older 
It's like, oh, what do you do? I, I'm a barista. Cool, cool. What are you going to do when you're done with that? Or like, what are you going to do when you grow up? Like, what are you going to do later? And I'm like, no, no, I'm doing it right now. This is it right here. We're doing this. Yeah. It's a real job. Yeah, right. Right. I think I used to, I used to go by like, just like the barista was the word I wanted to use. But now I feel like that doesn't speak to like, the value of the industry or the value that I bring to the community. So I just say like the coffee industry. And I figure that if I'm not always making coffee, I won't have to like change the words or like have some identity crisis where I'm like, I'm not a barista. I'm a whatever, like community educational curator or like roaster or Q grader or like whatever it is. I'll just like be in the coffee industry. What do you see taking that track right there? So you started with Starbucks mm -hmm. and then when you came and we worked together and you did more than you're letting on. So, you know, you were a barista at the downtown store, mm -hmm. but you were also heavily involved in like basically any extracurricular thing that went on. You were there. You competed in competition as well. And now you're an educator for a really well-known, awesome specialty coffee company in San Francisco. What do you see as your next step? Or is there one? Yes, there's a next step. There's like 500 next steps. There's like finishing. Um, I want to I wanna keep working as an educator for a little while longer. I have some, some projects I want to roll out. I kind of want, this is the first time that I've had an educator position with the backing of the company I'm working for. And so I want to see like how many uh, on the floor, like educational programs I can get started and how I can kind of like take mediocre, mediocrely inspired baristas into like doing it. That's, that's a big one. And then I want to roast and I don't know if I am going to like love roasting and then be like, roast, 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 roast for years, or if I'm going to be like, okay, this informs my decisions on, like, how to make and talk about coffee, because I kind of, I kind of just want to, like, think, well, it's always moving and rolling, and I don't know exactly, that's kind of what I'm saying, I want to be an educational person, I don't know. Check, check in with me later. Can I, can I, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you looked yeah. back five years from now, what would have happened and you'd have been like, that's a win. Wait, what do you mean? So like fast forward five years and you looked back, like, are there any things for sure that you're like, besides roasting that you're like, that needs to happen and I'll be happy. Oh. Yeah. I need to compete again. Um, I need to meet more people in the organized specialty coffee group like SCAA, BGA, OSCA, what is it now? AE? A, is it that like right. letter that's like an A and an E smashed together? A? Oh yeah, the, the merger, the merger. <laughs> it's the sky. Yeah. Um, I could see myself being involved in that community for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So you really do have some pretty big aspirations, even though you kind of, you know, maybe thought you don't really know. You've got some good aspirations ahead of you. Yeah, I want to I want to like I want to take my palette to new new and exciting places. So maybe a Q grader, maybe a um, I'd like to I'd like to think about 
there's like the the coffee growers and the farmers and then there's a bunch of middlemen who are like importing exporting and then there's like baristas and I would love to be a person who learns more about the coffee farming and the like human struggles of the farmers and communicate that more effectively with the baristas that kind of is like a far off thing where I'm like yeah maybe I'll spend more time in origin and figure out how to figure out how to close the gap on the human to love and sweat and cry over their farm and us baristas who cry over a channel or something. (laughs) (laughs) What are some things that you all do at Ritual or the company does to kind of connect those dots, you know? Because I know that you guys have a lot of relationships with farmers. You bring in a lot of special coffees. Is that communicated to the staff? Is that communicated to you? How does that work over there? Yeah. So our green buyer is pretty great. And every time we always, we have like a new coffee, he, his name is Aaron. Um, and he will do this like wonderful, beautiful, elaborate email talking about coffee. We're getting in the place it comes from the people who grow it. A, maybe unique challenge they have like oh there was drought this year or um there's like civil and drug related unrest in el salvador so gang members are like running through her farm on the regular p.s by the way here's this great coffee (laughs) and um so we get it emailed and then i print it out put it in like an area in the back room and then we just get to talk about it as we cup it and taste it and then on every single bag of coffee, there's a lot of information. There's like a sketch of the farmer, uh, often with like children and animals in it. Um, there's like a little story about it. We have a lot of information on when it was harvested. And then usually when Aaron comes back from a big buying trip, he will have kind of an informal like, oh, come chat with me tonight about Burundi and Rwanda and he'll go through all the pictures he took and just kind of like break it down like those are raised drying beds and over here they have like this kind of weather so they do this or in this part of the world they have these kind of fermentation tanks and oh these are blue because they whitewash them all the time oh these are like funky looking because they believe that this like affects the flavor in a positive way if they don't clean it so we like have the opportunity to get really knowledgeable about processing and what it takes to grow this funny little plant we all love. And how does that affect you as a, as a human? And I know one thing that I struggle with as a educator too, is being able to connect those dots. We have all this great information about coffee and it's really inspirational to me. And then I'm like, what do I do with it? How do I get that to the customer or the people who are ultimately going to be drinking this coffee in a way that makes sense to them and then they can feel good about it? Yeah. I haven't figured out a way to do it super, super effectively with customers yet. Just because you have like like a 10 second sound bite to deliver all this like passion and energy. And I think that the best way to like sell somebody something isn't about talking about the farm it's about making them feel good and putting the focus on them I'm kind of waiting for them to kind of like ask me if they care 
some people just never care. So I struggle with that to know like when is the right time to, it, it feels like evangelizing to me. And that makes me very uncomfortable. Like I just want them to ask me if they care and if they don't care, that's fine. Like the whole interaction can be based around like their day or like the weather or, you know, like just checking in with them because that, I think that will overall elevate the coffee community and like the bond that the customer has with me as their barista. If I'm not trying to be like this green mountain range in Rwanda is like really blowing my mind. I just have to talk about it with you. I, I don't know. That's just kind of like, seems like a side sidestep for me but with the baristas I'll talk about it because I some of them don't care but I don't care they're they're gonna know because because I think coffee demands a huge level of respect if you're if you're going to be working with this product you have to know how seriously everybody else takes it and Maybe being here in a city where there are so many coffee shop jobs, I see a lot of young people who are like, oh, I'm, they just kind of like float around from, from job to job because it's easy and you don't have to like hang on to it that hard. You'll always find another one. If you have a lot of experience, your resume is going to look pretty good. Most people are going to give you a chance. So there, sometimes there's like some stagnation there. And I think that's like when you have to have like a tactful sort of moment with them where it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what is, is, is all this like your work and your time and your energy spent here in like a half-hearted way? Does this make you feel good? Does this make you feel like you are the person you want to be? Because you are a person and you're at work. So be the person you want to be, by the way there's this great farmer who is being the person they want to be and they're kicking ass. So what are you going to do with it now? Woo! <laughs> I love, love, love how you, your approach to the customer approach and saying that, you know, it's maybe not that important on the day-to-day -day level. Cause I know that's something that Jared and I think about all the time. And yeah. one of the flaws we see that can turn off a lot of people to specialty coffee is information overload at yeah. the counter when someone's they're on their they're on their way to work or they're they're going somewhere real fast and they're like what are you talking about like and it almost feels forced and it's like are you even like paying attention to me or do you just have this weird agenda and i think a lot of people fall into that trap Ugh, it's it's so weird i don't have anything i i don't even want that i care and i don't want that like i really care more than most and i it, it just, it makes me, it makes me want to be like, what's your, like, what's your intention here? What's, I want to like ask baristas who are overly educational with the customers, but I know the intention. The intention is to share passion and like spread the knowledge and be like, this other person's doing something great. And that's cool. But it feels like there's an ulterior motive. Like, are you trying to sell me this bag of coffee for $18? No. Can't, no. <laughs> <laughs> What do you, what do you feel like, where was that turning point to where you, you like really cared on like a deeper level? You know, it's like, I think you've always been passionate and that was, that was obvious to begin with. But like, when did, when did you dive off that cliff to this level of like, I really care about this? I, I think that's who I am. Like no matter what I do, I really care. 
So you could be just That's, serving tacos and you'd be like, this is, I care about the taco. Well, it's not like the taco, but it's like, <laughs> I, whatever I'm going to be doing, I really care about. Like when I, when I make tacos, I really care about the tacos, but so it's like, yeah, it's more like human holistic passion towards what you're doing doing versus mm-hmm. the actual coffee itself then? It okay, the more I've learned about coffee, the more it just like keeps getting interesting to me. And it has so many like so many like ways to go. It sort of wraps up my passion about like um sustainability and like globalization and connecting with humans and like spirituality and being emotional and being magical and being um, meticulous and scientific and detail oriented and true perfection. Like coffee is such like a soft and hard area that if I want to be the person I am, who's like, I'm going to like, make my bar the cleanest it's ever been today and I'm going to work the rush and it's going to be like perfect. I can do that. Or if I want to um, reach out to the customer who doesn't really get reached out to and like put a lot of energy into like um, just sort of like energetically reaching and like holding space for them, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. I, it just there's enough room in my job even day to day and of course when I get off work and I like want to think about whatever I want to think about I there's like so many avenues for me to go through I don't get sick of it right there's like personally emotional expression in different yeah. ways in everything you do yes it's so creative yeah it's so creative. and I mean latte art too that's like Right. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> oh, BT Dubs. Uh, and latte art. Jasper's won That's a few fun. latte art competitions as well. World. It's fun. Oh, my left. I have to left-handed pour on the counter now. Because mm, of your injury. Oh, my God. It is so frustrating because my I think it looks awful. But on the reel, it looks okay. And I've pulled some like pretty good rosettas. But it's awful like, compared to... You're probably better than 75% of what's going on out there with probably. your left on the counter. Like 50 to 75%, depending. Okay, yeah, we'll take that. You know, depending on the level of almond in my pitcher. <laughs> oh, Just almond. because we we blasted latte art and this podcast is going to go up in the next couple of days, I know the BACC has an event coming up. Do you want to plug that really quickly? Yes. Okay, so the next Latte Art Throwdown is going to be at Myriad. It is on uh, Market and 15th, and Crow is the company that's hosting it, and they are a sight glass account in Oakland on Temescal Alleyway. So they are hosting it. Well, they are, like, providing the venue. BACC is hosting it. I'm going to be the MC. We're going to have an um, all-roasters judging panel. And it's going to be great. It's on September 10th on a Saturday. And come in. There's no early sign-up. So come at 6, sign up. First pour is at 7. And winner takes many prizes plus $200. Many prizes. Dollars. Yeah. So if anybody wants to go, you should go. You can follow BACC on Instagram. I'm pretty sure it's hello BACC is the tag, right? So. 
seriously all the there's been it, they're so fun all those events have been so fun and there's been a lot of them lately so if you can't come to this one come to another one and it's yeah. it's like all volunteer based and i'm kind of big on just plugging that over and over again because it takes you and your squad a decent amount of energy and effort and input yeah. to just make these things happen a lot. And I mean, there's a lot that we're doing behind the scenes before events go up. Like we want to have basically everything taken care of. And that means like making a poster and then like putting it up before, before we like put it out there. So we have like probably five or six more events in the next two months that we're like almost ready to release. We're just like getting a few more details. So, like, stay tuned. This is, like, a huge season for us, and we've, we're working every day on this shit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. It's been a huge revitalization because the BACC was a thing, and then it went away for a while because it's, you know, it's too much for a small team of people to really manage. You need, like, a pretty decent decent group of people who are willing to commit time. So, thank you yeah. for, on behalf of us. <laughs> Thanks. Of course. This is, I love it. What is... What's your biggest challenge in working in the specialty coffee industry? You know, you've done a lot of amazing things. What's something that's really hard to deal with? Um, well, the first thing that came to my mind is, like, inequality of, like, sexism and classism. That, that gets, that, like, wears me down a lot. Because there's, <clears throat> there's only so much you can do you know like I have all this great energy and I view myself as like a capable person but when you know when I'm like having a good day and the customer is like oh hey sweetheart or like oh those those eyes are real pretty and they're like leaning too close over the counter it just like kind of my whole like energy has to change from opening and holding space and just like being really um subtly aware of like what's happening energetically in the cafe to like it, it feels like an attack like some just idiot is like trying to whatever and they're you know and they'll be like oh smile like oh I made her day better just like no fuck you and I can't like I can't just say fuck you get out of my store if someone's like oh hey sweetheart you have nice eyes because that would be seen as like overreacting or because you're still behind the counter and you're like yeah you have limitations on what you can do yeah but it's also i have limitations because people view those interactions as not as bad as what i'm saying it is right taking like that's that's a serious that's a serious thing and it's it takes a lot of finesse to figure out how to deal with it and when i go from like doing great my day is awesome like everything's working out and then I feel this attack like someone's trying to like whatever they think they're trying to do I think they think they're trying to compliment and flirt with me what it feels like to me is they're like steamrolling me and they just want me to like I don't know be... no. <laughs> it's just well yeah break that, that down some more break that down because so it's like is it the is it the nice eyes or is it the sweetheart or is it the combination and like the tone, you know, cause they're, what if somebody was being genuine and said, you know, like you have nice eyes. So I think that if someone's really going to be genuine, they're going to be aware enough to know that as a coffee shop girl, there's so many stereotypes of like 
people thinking that the coffee shop girl likes them. No, I'm just being paid to be nice to you. Like that is my job. I'm not flirting. <laughs> I'm smiling at you because you feel better when I smile at you. Not me, but I do because you feel better. Anyway, and if <clears throat> wait, how what was your question again? Oh no, sorry, this makes and I feel derailed. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was just uh it's just the so like what's yeah like break down break down the part and how it affects you and you're correct like you were saying like they may be genuine they may not but you know it's like is the is the offense in the compliment or is it the sweetie or is it the you know or is it like a tonal thing that maybe you know well, you know what is that the offense is somebody projecting their own sexual insecurities onto me and trying to get me to like you know, give them some energy back so that they don't feel so shitty or mm. they're trying to impress somebody that they're with or right. they are, you know, like overall, I, they're probably not trying to date me. They're probably not trying to like, you know, flirt with me or, well, no, they are trying to flirt with me. They're not trying to like have sex with me. They're trying to have some like little way for them to feel powerful and for them to feel like, they are worth something and they're doing it at the expense of me and they're using me as some like nameless, you know, hot coffee girl, whatever they think about that. And it's just, it's very disrespectful. It doesn't, there's no like, at no point in those interactions that are offensive is there like a checking in on how I am or what I feel. There's like an ignoring of subtle or I mean I make them obvious cues like no like that's not my name or I'll like if they're like leaning over the counter I step way back or I you know don't gotcha. I don't like entertain it but for me I think about it a lot I think about like how people hold power and how you know like overall men hold more power than women white people hold more power than black people like so what do i do with the power i have or the power i don't have to make that better for me individually and the world but so many people don't think about that at all and many times some like women who feel who feel like attacked in that way or just like diminished or flirted with or kind of targeted don't know how to respond to it and so we just kind of like end up playing out societal norms which is like oh be passive be submissive accept it it'll go away just like sort of absorb it while it happens and then ignore it and that doesn't feel right for me at all to do what are some things do you think that um like we as an industry can do to bring more awareness to these like situations that are happening because this stuff yeah. happens to you. It's not an isolated incident. There's like a lot of other people I'm sure that have felt the same things you did and not in just coffee, you know, you could be behind yeah. a bar or a server, or whatever it is. Like basically anything in, I mean, anything in any industry, but I feel like the service industry, we're so much more vulnerable to so many more things because we are in that position of service and there's a huge pressure to just do what the customer wants, make right. everybody feel nice. So what are some steps that, that people can take, do you think? Well, the there's like two fronts I see for the coffee 
for the coffee industry. When it comes to sexism and racism, there's there's like the the barista customer front, which resembles more like the public or street harassment or just like the the public normal open spaces. So you'll get like if the way we can address that is everybody needs to be more knowledgeable. Everybody needs to be aware of the privilege they have. Like if you are a guy and if you're a manager of a coffee shop, do you know who the guy, who are the guys that are creepy? What if they were a really close friend of yours? Like how would that make you feel? Could you, could you like set aside some of your own biases to maybe make space for how the women in your coffee shop are feeling. And then there's like the professional side of it where women are overall disproportionate in the industry, especially the more prestigious of the role, the more likely it is to be a guy. And that gets annoying because then it's like, okay, so this is actually a problem within the system, not just outside of it. And that, my God, where do I get started? That needs to be, well, we are finally talking about it a little bit more, but I think that it's mostly women who's driving the conversation, which is really good, but sometimes when a group of women are, like, saying something very loudly, men tend to, like, diminish it or not take it as seriously or think it doesn't apply to them. It's like we are not as valued in the community. And what I do you okay go, sorry i cut you off there's like this idea that you know i've heard people say or i've you know like read it online there's this idea of like oh i don't i i hire for merit or if you if you do a good job you'll get the job that kind of idea and that is a idea that can be a little harmful because in there there's like biases woven in like if you're saying two people a, a guy and a girl are going up for the same job and you know maybe the experience is a little different or maybe the guy is a little bit more confident maybe more immature maybe the woman is more soft-spoken and yet gets it done like you might be clouded by the idea that like leadership and strength and like power and authority those things are often socially culturally like religiously just like everywhere are sort of given those adjectives are given to men more often than they are to women and women who are authoritative you know like strong powerful can be can be said to be bossy or bitchy or i mean doesn't matter like if you like her politics what is the media saying about hillary clinton that they would never say about men oh her voice is shrill she like gets angry she tones it down oh what time of the month is it like bullshit and that's just like a very public thing that we're seeing going on and it's really ugly and it's really disgusting and it happens in the coffee industry too right do you find some things that are um different from where you're at now working for you know a woman like Eileen runs ritual that are mm -hmm. like is your day-to-day -day, like the way those a lot of that stuff is approached is that different than where you've 
some jobs that you've had in the past and what are some things that maybe some other companies can implement to kind of shift their thinking and be more aware of what might be happening? I think Ritual is definitely a different, it feels a lot different as a company than other companies I've worked for. It's maybe one of the only ones I've worked for that is owned by women. I don't know totally, but I didn't, I didn't actually think of Ritual as like being woman owned at all. Like it was a separate thing. It was just like, oh yeah, Ritual's doing great things. And then when I got in, I was like, oh yeah, Eileen, that's right. It's like, oh, I kind of knew about her. But then the more I looked around, I saw women were just as likely to be promoted or um, there were as many women in leadership, if not more than men. It just seemed like everything was an even playing field. And even the industry or like the sections of the coffee industry that are like really boy dominated, like, you know, roasting, for instance, that's just kind of finally sort of opening up to women as so many of us are like pushing and talking about it. Um, that like our head roaster is a woman. That's, that stuff was just, it just gave me this sense of like, oh, like the door, the door is open to me. That's it. I'm not going to have to push it open. It's just already opened. So that felt great. That felt wonderful. And I, okay, so what can we do? Well, we can, we can stop thinking of women as needing more experience or more, um, more, more something like, I don't know. It, it just, it feels like, okay. Okay. Let me backtrack. <clears throat> I see sometimes when, when a man or a couple of guys are leading a company or are in positions of leadership, they're more likely to give the job to somebody that's close to them or like them than they are somebody who's far, far away from them or less, less like them. And what that ends up doing is like, it just kind of creates a culture of boys club and it doesn't really, the company doesn't get as broad and diverse and effective as it could be if they were to be like, Oh, like I'm a guy, I am like powerful, authoritative, whatever those like adjectives are like maybe on my team I would be more effective as a leader if I had a voice who would disagree with me and who might call me out on some things that I don't know are a little bit sexist but but truly are I think people should just take the chance and start to hire more women like just period it's, kind of, it's not that hard. Right. It's not <laughs> you know, there's something that you said in there, which I think is a great um, application outside of like the just male versus female thing, which is having people around you who are different than you and mm -hmm. willing to disagree with you mm -hmm. and seeking out people who aren't just like, yes, people like, oh, I, hey, we should do this. Yeah, 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 totally. For sure. That's awesome. Um, but just to spur just more creativity in general. And it's amazing the things that you can come up with when you think you have a great idea and someone's like, no, dude, this is, no, this is what, try this. Like you're mm -hmm. thinking in this little box, like explore this area. And I feel like some of the greatest, at least for, for me personally, mm -hmm. some of, some of my 
greatest aha moments have come when someone's really pushed back at me when I thought I had a great idea yeah. and someone from just like a whole different angle just challenged me. So I, I just think that's important overall. Yeah. But well, yeah. let me bring this up. Like you guys are two boys and you're starting a company and, uh, you know, Chuck's in there too. Okay. So three guys and you have this platform and opportunity to really diversify your group. True. And if I look at your at your podcast, I see a lot more men on the podcast than women. Like right there. Like that that's an inequality that can easily be adjusted on your end. You know, you can like count it up, like figure out well how many percentage of our guests are men versus women. And that could like you could take an active role in changing this dynamic. Or I mean, okay. I got to bring it up because it bothers me. The <laughs> show us your TDS shirt is offensive. And it's like, it's a cat call. And I'm sure that you guys haven't been shouted, hey, show us your tits. But a lot of us have. And it's terrible. And I know that the proceeds go to uh, breast cancer, which is, that's cool. But that's not a reason to excuse that behavior i mean if i saw somebody whether or not he was in the coffee industry or she even if it was a, a girl wearing it i would be like what the fuck why would you do that like that doesn't make me feel good it it makes me feel like like um you know like it would be like someone would be like oh come on like women can't take a joke or just like loosen up it's funny it's like it's not funny to me right because it's offensive like that's yeah it's a fair statement shit like that yeah totally cool so yeah i mean as far as like uh things that we can do for sure bringing on more women is great uh and that'll happen for sure part of that is just uh i'm the one who goes on and gets those and the people and i typically reach out to the ones that i've met more over the years and so you know that is definitely part of it and it's just right. literally a comfortable, yeah, it's more like a comfort thing. There's a, there's a bunch of people who actually, um, there's a bunch of women who have planned to be on and we just haven't been able to line up schedules. So there, there'll be more coming, but I definitely have seen that for sure. We noticed that. Um, and then as far as our staff goes, I'm pretty excited because we got a, we got a pretty diverse staff coming in, Good. but we'll have to show that in real life, you know? Oh right. man. We we finished hiring, which is like the most exciting thing ever. Almost finished. Almost finished. Pretty much. Yeah. We got a pretty sweet squad. I'm super stoked. We have a 40-year-old woman who's going to crush it for us that I'm so excited <laughs> about. Were you guys excited um, to do those interviews and to like figure out who you wanted to develop into the next badasses? I was, and I was also, to be honest with you, I was like full-on terrified. Mm. Mm-hmm. In, in the sense of that I... Oh, how do I say this? I don't know. You know me pretty well. So I'm intensely competitive and I'm like insanely quality driven. And I think that I put a lot of pressure on myself for things that I do that I want to be like the, like just the bomb, like this has to be killer. And I feel that way with the team here in cat and cloud. So picking these people is crazy to think about. These are going to be employees that are going to be at our store when we're not there. Mm-hmm. They're going to be representing our brand. And aside from what they can do for us, like we owe them 
so much and the expectation that I have on myself and that Jared I know has on himself and Charles too as just to be the most awesome bosses that we can be and provide more than just like, yeah, cool, you come in and we cut you a check and and whatever. It, It was like I felt a really big pressure. Yeah. I'm happy with how everything went and our staff is going to be amazing. But just in the, you know, in the spirit of full transparency, I was just like, whoa, this is intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really it's, intimidating. To, yeah. Like, it's serious. To, it's not just these people who are going to like represent you, but they're also the people that like, if they move on, they're going to get to say like, yeah, that's, that's like where I worked and you know I've, as everyone does like if they leave a company people are like so so what's it really like so is it how how really is it and that like those conversations can be really really interesting too right this yeah, will be the, our first opportunity talk is crazy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah to represent ourselves will be really fun for the first time and all those things that I think both Chris Charles and I have always wanted as employees in places we get to work on figuring out how to make those things a reality for the people that we work with Mm -hmm. but I mean the people that work with you and your company are I mean arguably more valuable than the owners themselves I mean we just we just gave you know we gave Uh a, a can a canvas that's the word I was trying to say a canvas and they get to make it special and we get to oversee some things but I mean it's not we there right. this company's going to be special because of the people that come work for it not because Chris Charles and I are here right we'll right help, because we'll your help. employees are going to have more points of contact with customers on the day to day than anything and like yeah okay cool you can put up like nice pretty pictures on the internet and have your website dialed in like really we're a we're a store we're a brick and mortar store and our success is largely going to be dictated by the community around us and our employees are going to have more interaction in that community just because of sheer numbers than we ever can. Yeah. That's so exciting. When are you guys going to open? End of this month. <laughs> I'm calling really? it. Yeah, I'm just calling it out there. Jared's looking at me like through the no, window. I think, I think he's right. I think he's right. I'm, I'm, we're gunning for it. I'm maybe I'll be a liar, but not intentionally. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so get ready to come high five us. Get ready okay. to come visit. Deal. Hopefully, I'll have a right hand to high five you with. We can Jeez. do left-handed high fives. We're we're ambi turners. Okay. <laughs> do they have hand yoga that you can do? I can't like move it at all. It's in a cast. It's like. <laughs> oh. Oh, geez. Yeah. Sorry, I got you. <laughs> I went to barista camp one time with my arm in a sling. That was fun. <laughs> No, it's it was just, uh, there's like a lot of pain involved that I don't, uh, I didn't realize. <laughs> I've never had like a broken anything before. I'm not like not that adventurous, I guess. But <laughs> it's, well, yeah. I don't know if I'd say that about yourself. It, maybe just like not that, maybe athletic or risky, maybe risky, physically risky. I don't put myself in physically risky situations that I might injure myself. That's but that's fair. okay. <laughs> this will heal and I'll make coffee once again and then the world can continue. It'll wait so for you. <laughs> we're coming up on about an hour, so yeah. we're going to wrap this thing. But where, before we finish, where can people find out more about you if you want them to? Like how, how to 
How do people oh. learn more about Jasper Wild? So I am Sassy Barista on Instagram and Sassy Barista on Snapchat and Jasper Wild on Facebook. But, hmm. you know, I'm not heavily curated or anything, so. <laughs> Jas- Jasper, you should help us with this. We've been we've been attempting and and will continue to attempt to get Eileen on the podcast, but we'd really like to get her. Will you will you continue to will you give her a little like, hey, I was on the podcast. You should also be on the podcast. Okay, yeah, I'll give her a push. Take that twenty percent intimidation and take it down to ten, and then just bring her the heat. (laughs) I will, I will. So sassy barista. Any anything else? (laughs) Um, you know, check your privilege. The end. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Seriously, awesome conversation. I'm loving it. We've been wanting to get you on for a while, so I'm glad we finally took the time and actually scheduled it out to really make it real. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for your patience. And with that, you know, this has been the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. You got Jasper Wild on the other end of the line from San Francisco, California. And this yeah. is Chris and Jared, and we are signing off. Peace. All right, y'all, we're going to take a little break and give a shout-out to Curtis Brewers. Curtis has been pretty amazing to us over the years, and they have some pretty cool stuff going on. This is their 75th anniversary this year. They are the first company to bring digital digital technology to brewing. Going digi, straight digi. I think one of the coolest things they do is they do 48-hour turnaround on all orders. So if you need a brewer in, like, two days, you can get that. Yeah, and most of the time it's actually faster, which is a trip. Uh, the other thing is that they're a family-owned company, and we're super down with that. They are four generations deep, and they have really built themselves a legitimate empire. We really believe in the family-owned and operated deal. They're from California, which is where we're from. So You know what's cool in California? We love it anymore. It's solar. Solar! Energy efficiency. They have, what, 38,308? They have, like... Some odd thousands of solar panels. So many solar panels that they are 90% neutral in their energy use. So if that's not enough shout-outs and that's enough reason to get involved with these guys i don't really know what it is chris i got one more what coffee tastes awesome oh yeah we drink it all the time out of curtis brewers that's just like a bonus i guess though yeah i mean if you want good coffee and an if awesome you want company, coffee yeah i mean it's whatever and it's not cat and cloud try curtis <laughs> <laughs>